turn to somebody and say, it is time to get motivated. Okay, because folks, we need to get motivated in these last days, and we're going to continue on our theme that we started last week, but now we're going to see that because the church has slid on this issue, and the issue we dealt with last week was the days of Lot. What happened in the days of Lot? Homosexual behavior and things, because we have slidden, folks. Now we're paying the price. It's gone into stage two, and now what you and I believe in, basic biblical morals, is now be considered a hate crime, and we need to be hauled off away for it. We have dug our own grave as the American church, folks, and so we need to get motivated and we need to speak up in love while we still have the freedom to do so. Amen? Amen. All righty. Maybe this is why Orson's not here today, but anyway, check this out. How many of you guys realize that Orson, by the way, Orson Kingham, Donnie, you know this, uh, he is the absolute most incredible, fantastic mechanic on the planet. Have you noticed that? This guy can fix anything, right? And uh, in fact, apparently he's so good that uh, one day, apparently recently, John, uh, he uh, found this old beat-up moped. Remember those things? Going about three miles an hour, right? So Orson found a beat-up old moped, and being the master mechanic and all, he decides he's going to fix it up, right? So he gets that thing running again, and so he goes over here somewhere near Lake Mead over here and to get some fresh gas in the tank there. And guess who he sees there, John? You! <laughs> Can you believe it? John Gibson, that's right. And John, of course, is in his uh, hot rod red uh, pickup truck there, right? So Orson, he's a car buff and all, and so he's checking out John's, you know, manly hot rod man trucker truck thing, right? You know what I'm saying? And uh, so he's checking it out, and, and he asks John if he could check out the engine. So John pops the engine up, and Orson's got his head in there. He's looking inside the engine. Wow, this is incredible. So while Orson's checking out the engine, John goes into the store to pay for the gas and all and stuff. And when he comes back, he just simply shuts the hood and starts up his manly truck. Well, John, as he's pulling out of the gas station, uh, he decides to give Orson a bit of a show. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's feeling pretty confident about his truck, and he, we'll see who's the master mechanic, right? And uh, so John, he actually punches it, and he raises right out of there at the gas station. But all of a sudden, get this, John looks in his rearview mirror, and he sees Orson is about ready to pass him on the moped. Yeah. And so John, he hits the gas even more, and Orson just flew right on by on that moped. John couldn't believe it. Uh, It was just like uh, he was on blocks, right? And so then to John's amazement, here comes Orson the other way again, right? And so, so, so John, he's sitting there, well, he must just be toying with me, right? And so John, he really punches it this time. He's going like 100 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, here comes Orson. He just flies right by John, right? In fact, about a half a mile down the road, John notices, here comes Orson the other way again, except this time he's in John's lane. And so all of a sudden, he crashes into John's truck, and, and he, John grabs his cell phone, and he calls for help, and he goes by Orson's side, and, and he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, John goes, hey, Orson, what in the world did you do to make that moped go so fast? And Orson replied, John, I didn't do anything to that moped. When you closed the hood on your truck at the gas station, you caught my suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of you people just got that. <laughs> Including Donna and Scott. Praise God. Had to help that out. But uh, wow, interesting. I tell you, how many guys would say John needs to pay attention to his surroundings a little bit better? You know what I'm saying? Hello, hello. It could cause some hurt, some pain, especially Orson. I hope that's not why he's not here today. But anyway, seriously, uh, of all Sundays. <laughs> But did you know that John Gibson apparently is not the only one who's not paying attention to their surroundings and is causing some havoc, okay? Did you know the Bible, believe it or not, said in the last days the whole planet is not going to pay attention to some very important details, and that is this, 
You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now, or you are headed for some serious pain. And that pain is called the seven-year tribulation. They are headed for the worst wreck of all time. The Bible says, speaking of that period, that it is a horrible time frame. It's not a joke. God's wrath is going to be poured out on this wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus said it's going to be the worst time in the history of mankind. If God didn't shorten that time frame, the entire human race would be wiped out. Okay, but praise God because he loves us. He's been telling us for 2,000 years or more. Okay, depending on the prophecy, he's been warning us in love when things are getting close. We don't know the exact day. We don't know the exact hour, but we know when the tribulation is getting near. And certainly the rapture of the church, which happens prior, is getting close. Okay, so in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, even worse than John getting beat by Orson on a moped, we're going to continue our study. That's right. The final countdown updates okay and we've already seen the first seven updates on our study and that was the jewish people the antichrist modern technology worldwide upheaval the rise of falsehood the rise of wickedness anybody been paying attention to the news lately every single day there is something going on that should be in the bible somewhere oh it was we saw that joey in the rise of wickedness and also the last uh, three times the rise of apostasy and what we saw is that god lovingly foretold you and i how do you know you're living the last days not only when you see the world going down the tubes but when you see the church the professing church going down the tubes as well you better wake up you're in the last days and we saw that's happening because there's a massive flood of fake phony pastors behind the pulpit the church is uh, turning away from even the basic truths of christianity it's being encouraged by an apostate media and apostate music and it's culminated into what we we saw last week into an apostate behavior where it's getting so bad now the church is actually saying that homosexuality is not a sin and that those who actually oppose it and stand on what the scripture says about that are the real sinners that's how twisted it has become now the significance was that jesus said two things you need to be on the lookout for not just as it was in the days of noah but as it was in the days of lot what's going to happen when you see those two societies come back so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. This is all indicators, folks, not just of the apostasy, but certainly that Jesus is right around the corner. Anybody practicing this morning? Okay, <laughs> rapture practice, okay? But that's not all. So I'm still preaching on this Jim Jubinville, so guess what? There's got to be more. That's right, Jim, there's got to be more. And there is. The eighth update is the rise of a one-world religion. A one-world religion is coming to this planet, folks, and I would say it's a lot sooner than most people realize. Okay, the Bible clearly says, folks, all the religions on the planet are going to come under the head of one guy. That guy is uh, going to be a guy you don't want to chum up with. He's called the Antichrist. And he's going to have this buddy. He's going to have a cohort, and he is called the false prophet. Okay, and believe it or not, all these dead, fake, phony, apostate Christians in the church today that we've been seeing the last several weeks, because again, I'll say it again, going to a church service does not save you any more than sitting in a barn makes you a cow. Isn't that a much better version I like that than that chicken one. That's right. All right? You got to be born again. So just because you go to a church service, and that's what we're seeing, folks, these fake, phony, apostate Christians, okay, they're going to go right along with this one world religion that is coming to the planet very soon. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. So open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. If you find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang a left. Revelation 13. Now, verses 3 through 9. Is the Bible really going to create this global religion? And is it really going to be centered around this guy, the Antichrist? Well, let's, you know, see what God has to say about that. I think so, but uh, let's, let's read on there. Uh, verse 3 is where we're going to start in chapter 13. And here's what it says. Now, one of the heads of the beast, who's the beast? 
That's the Antichrist, okay, according to the context. One of the heads of the beast of the Antichrist seemed to have this fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. And so because of that, it's like, whoa, he came back. And so the whole world was astonished, and they followed the beast, the Antichrist. In fact, men worshiped the dragon, that's Satan, defined by the context, because he had given authority to the beast, okay? And they also, what is it? What's the word there? Worshiped. Pay attention, folks. Worship. It's not just showing your allegiance or made an economic tie with. It's worship. Okay? And they worshiped uh, the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. They also worshiped the beast and asked, man, who was like the beast, the Antichrist? Who can make war against this guy? And then the beast or the Antichrist was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. Okay? He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He also was given power to make war against the saints. Now, that's not you and I right now, the born-again evangelical Christian. We're going at the rapture. The saints he's talking about here is the tribulation saints, which is very important to understand because uh, uh, we know that the gospel will still go forth during this seven-year tribulation. You got the two witnesses, okay, as a source. You got the 144,000 male Jewish witnesses that also proclaim the gospel. You have the angel that flies with the eternal gospel, as Revelation records for us, so people can still get saved during the seven-year tribulation. The point for you and I reading this here today is you should have gotten saved now. That's the whole urgency of the matter, okay? But there are people who are going to get saved, Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see that that's on the rise again. These people, most of them, are going to become martyrs. And specifically, they're going to be decapitated. We don't see that coming back, do we? Yeah, you want to be here for the next couple of weeks. But let's take a look. So that's what's going on. War against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Now, how many guys would say that's probably the whole planet? Okay, and in case you doubt, keep reading. Uh, all inhabitants, I love that, of the earth will what? Worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. I love this. He who has an ear, let him hear. Can I translate that for you? You better pay attention. Okay? You better pay attention specifically to what you just read. The Bible clearly says in the last days there's coming a day, believe it or not, when all the inhabitants of the earth are going to get busy, and they're going to get busy worshiping the actual Antichrist himself. And it's going to be this unified world religion, and it's actually going to be inspired by the dragon or Satan. It's going to be a satanic, one-world religion. Now, the question for you and I today, we don't know the day nor the hour, but if this happens during the seven-year tribulation, according to the Bible, then how much closer is the rapture of the church, which takes place prior, right? We don't know the day nor the hour, but do we see any signs of this? Is the point for you and I today, could our world really anytime soon be deceived into creating a global religion that is actually satanically inspired. Uh, yeah, okay, and that's what we're going to deal with, Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks. The first sign uh, that we are headed for a one-world religion, folks, right now as we sit here in this sanctuary, is because there's a worldwide assault on you and I, the true, and I'll use that phrase, the true Christian. Because that phrase has become generic nowadays, right? People say, oh, I believe in God. Well, what God? The God of the chair? You as God? What? You know, just because you say, I believe in God, that doesn't mean anything, by and large. Say, oh, I'm a Christian because somehow I'm American, and I no, that doesn't make you a Christian by being born in America. The true Christian is the one who's getting assaulted, okay? And it makes total sense. You go, well, why, why would that happen? Well, again, put yourself in the Antichrist shoes, right? Your goal, your desire is to create this global religion, Right? But obviously, logically, not everybody's going to agree, right? How many of you guys realize that not everybody agrees? 
See, some of you aren't raised your hand, you don't agree with me, so you prove my point. All right? Right? You don't agree. So some people are not going to agree with this guy. All right? So if he's the Antichrist, he's going to create this global religion, then what's he going to do? He's got to, at some point, get rid of any and all dissenters who won't go along with this program. Right? Take them out. Well, believe it or not, that's exactly what Jesus said. For true followers of him, the whole world is going to hate your guts. They want to kill you during the seven-year tribulation. Matthew 24, verse 3 through 10, as Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, they said, when is this going to happen? What's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And we've already dealt with these first ones here. Jesus answered, first of all, watch out that nobody what? Deceives you. For many are going to come in my name claiming I am the Christ. And deceive nobody. Unfortunately, many, because they're getting away from the scripture. Two, he says, you're also going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. You're just getting into the signs there. But also, nations going to rise against nation. Kingdoms going to rise against kingdom. There's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of birth pains. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay? Just signs that you're getting close, as bad as it is. Then, pay attention, you will be handed over to be persecuted and what? Put to death. And you will be hated by how many of the planet? All nations because of who? Who's me? Jesus. At that time, I love this. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and actually hate each other. Now that's wild. There's two things that are going on here, folks. Uh, Jesus, number one, says, believe it or not, okay, one day the whole planet is going to hate followers of him. The whole planet is going to hate not followers of Buddha, not followers of Confucius. He, the whole world's going to hate followers of Jesus, even to the point where they want to kill you, right? Now that's pretty creepy enough, as it is. But notice what he says, where some of this resistance is going to come from. People who claim to be in the faith will actually betray and turn in and hate those who really belong to the faith. In other words, the picture is there's going to be a mixture of wheat and tares, sheep and goats. There's going to be people in the pew, so to speak, sitting right next to a true born-again Christian, and they're going to turn them in. They're going to betray them. Right? Now, here's what's wild. I've said this for many years, folks. You better be careful of the person sitting next to you in the pew because they could one day be the death of you. They could turn you into the authority. See, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Now, again, what's interesting, we saw before, just going to a church service doesn't make you a Christian. You've got to be born again, right? Right? This is actually the same premise, if you know your even recent history, church history, that happened to the underground church in Europe. It's the same tactic that I believe that Jesus is pointing about here in the last days. And if you know that, in the underground church, when communism came in, when they first came in, here's how they took over the church. When they first came in, they would tell the churches, oh, no, no, you can have your religious freedom. We're going to let you do what you want to do. You know, we, we've absconded with the government and everything else. But, you know, you, the church, will respect your beliefs, and you can do what you want. But what they actually did is they immediately began to send fake, phony spies into the church who claimed to be Christians and spoke Christianese. This is actually recorded, folks. Read missionary books on it in the whole nine yards, how they took the church over. And what they would do is they would spy on people in the church, literally take down names of people who disagreed with the state. 
And then one by one, those people who disagreed with the communist state began to disappear. And they kept that procedure up until the church was eradicated of all true Christians. And the only, quote, Christians who were left were the fake ones who went along with communism. Now, folks, not only do I believe that that's what Jesus is saying is going to happen in this text, it's not just they're going to hate you and kill you. How's it going to happen? Not just from the outside, but people who are going to betray you on the inside. I really believe this is just getting started here in America. Okay? And what we're going to talk about the next couple of weeks is how they're doing it. Okay? They're using a couple different wedges or excuses, if you will, to get rid of you and I, the Christian. Because what's happening to the church right now, folks, is Christianity, true evangelical Christianity, is being eradicated and it's being replaced. We're being replaced with the fake, phony church who will go along with this one more religion. Now, two ways that I see that they're doing this as we speak, it's just starting to get ramped up here in America, okay, is two excuses. One is the homosexual issue, a moral issue. The second one, Lord Willem will deal with next week, uh, is the pluralism issue, that all religions lead to heaven. No, and Lord Willem will get to that next week. That's the second excuse, okay? We have the audacity to say that Jesus is the only way, and therefore we're a dangerous terrorist and we need to be gotten rid of. Okay, that, that again, that's next week. But this week, I want to still work with the first one. And I believe this is the wedge to start rounding up Christians, saying that we are dangerous, that we are a threat, and we need to be hauled off and taken away from jail. And that's the homosexual issue. And I don't say that with uh, loosely. Folks, I'm here to tell you it's already happening. The homosexual issue, we have dug ourselves a grave for the last 20 years because we've slid on this biblical issue. It's not about equality. It's not even about equality of a redefinition of marriage. It's about silencing the church and getting rid of true Christians. And by the way, not just pastor, any Christian who would dare disagree with this immoral issue. Here's what's going on. Let's take a look. When do we want equality? When do we want it now? When do we want equality? We've been hearing about it for months, but the battle for marriage isn't about equality. By trampling on marriage, homosexual activists want to reshape the culture into something we won't even recognize. But this battle isn't about marriage. It's about driving the homosexual flag into yet another segment of society and then using it as a club to silence all dissent to label anyone who disagrees as a hater. Just like someone visited the Family Research Council after the Southern Poverty Law Center slapped them with the hate group label. In his backpack, the police found 50 rounds of ammunition and 15 Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And uh, Floyd Corkins had admitted that uh, he intended to shoot and kill as many possible members of the staff of Family Research Council as he could. And he intended to smear uh, the Chick-fil-A sandwiches in the faces of his victims. Corkins had chosen his target, or multiple targets, by looking at the website of the Southern Poverty Law Center. And because they had designated Family Research Council as a quote-unquote anti-gay hate group and placed us on their hate map, which is still on their website. That, that was how he chose us as a target. Once marriage is redefined, that becomes a foundation for Christian and traditional beliefs to be marginalized. It's no longer speculation. When Massachusetts courts redefined marriage, K-12 homosexual indoctrination intensified, 
and parental rights became a thing of the past. After the diversity book bag came home, we realized that the intention of the administrators and teachers was to affirm these relationships and gay marriage in the minds of children. When we went into the school, what we requested is parental notification when these issues are brought up by adults within the school and the option to opt our child out of this type of indoctrination. You wish to affirm homosexuality. Um, to our son, you're presenting that which is sin as though it is not to our son, and we cannot allow that. To make a, a long story short, the accommodation they gave was to put me in handcuffs and send me to jail. This battle isn't about marriage, it's about freedom. They were willing to handcuff a father and send him to jail. Um, it was a six by eight cell, uh, filthy. Um, but, you know, I felt I didn't have a choice at that point in order to fulfill my role and duty as a father. If we care about our freedom, we had better use it now. And you wonder why I'm preaching on this now. Because there's an urgency, folks. Notice that guy was not a pastor. Now, I think sometimes as Christians we go, well, too bad for Pastor Billy. <laughs> Any Christian. That's their goal, folks. This is not make believe. Any Christian, if you dare even object, he objected simply, please do not teach my son homosexuality in public school. This is not make believe, folks. It happened here in America that he has said, You are going to jail because you have the audacity to disagree on this issue morally and say it was immoral. You are guilty of a hate crime and you're going to jail in America. I'm telling you, folks, what I see is that this is the first wedge very well of what Jesus could have been talking about here. People in the church are going to betray each other and hate each other. You disagree? You're not a Christian. I'm going to the authorities on you. And I've already got stories of people who are visiting churches on this issue, and they're taking names. This is where we're at, folks. I truly believe, people, that this is happening. They're weeding out the true Christians over this issue and replacing them with fake, pony, apostate Christians. Okay, it's happening right now. And I want to show you today just how far it's starting to permeate all sectors of society to marginalize you and I, the Christian. That's exactly what Hitler did with the Jews, folks. First, he began to marginalize them, right, in all sectors of society, and then he began to round them up, Okay. And that's what's happening on you and I, the evangelical church here in America. And it's time that we start speaking up. Okay, let's take a look at that. First of all, in the education sector. Because you might be out there going, well, okay, Pastor Bill, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out there in society. I'm going to get a good education. Okay, and I'm going to use that education to influence people about this danger. Well, you better speak up. If you're going to speak up, you better do it now. Because you may never even get that chance. Right now, individual Christians, this is going on right now in our country. Individual Christians, like these two, Jennifer Keaton, Julia Ward, have been kicked out of graduate school programs because they object to homosexuality. They kicked them out. They didn't, what? In America? Also, Christian schools. You think, well, I'll go to Christian school. They, no, they're also now under fire. One example is this college, Gordon College. They've kept their biblical code since 1889. Okay, But right now, they've been given an ultimatum by the New England Association of Schools quote, be an accredited institution by accepting homosexual practices or you will lose your school accreditation. This has gone beyond 
Oh, it's about equality. No, it's not. It's about silencing the church and hauling off Christians. And they're starting to marginalize us in society. One person said, if a secular agency can dictate the religious beliefs and worldviews of a Christian institution of higher learning, then religious freedom in this nation is over. That's what we got to speak up about, folks. How about the business sector? You might say, okay, well, fine. They won't let me get to education. I'm just going to go out there in business, start a business. This is America. I'm going to provide a great godly environment for my employees and influence them. You may not get the chance. Are you paying attention to the news? Right now, a baker is being fined $150,000, is being told, listen to this, this is like shades of Hitler, being told he needs rehabilitation for his beliefs because he refused to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple. Here's the report. New developments now involving a Lakewood bakery accused of discriminating against a gay couple by refusing to sell them a wedding cake. Well, the state civil rights commission says that bakery did violate discrimination laws. The wedding cakes at Masterpiece Cake Shop are detailed and attractive. The conflict between some customers and the owner has become ugly and complicated. That we closed down the bakery before we uh, compromise our beliefs. He says he doesn't believe in gay marriage and refused to make this marrying gay couple a wedding cake. We've already been discriminated against there. We were already treated badly. A judge ruled that a business owner cannot refuse service to a customer on the basis of sexual preference. And that decision was upheld today by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. This commission is also ordering the baker to submit quarterly reports on who he refuses to serve and how he retrains his employees to serve all customers. All because he disagreed on this issue. That's not equality. It's not about equality. It's about silencing the church. Uh, another lady, this is happening all over the United States. Businesses are being attacked. A florist in Washington was, is now being pursued by the state attorney general for declining to make a floral arrangement for a same-sex wedding. This photographer, the lady on the left there in New Mexico, she was fined $6,700 for declining to do a photo shoot for a lesbian wedding. What happened to just, I just, no, I don't want to. Folks, that's going down the tubes. Fast. A Christian t-shirt company was just ordered to produce t-shirts to promote a gay pride event in Kentucky and all employees were ordered to attend diversity training. This is happening right now in our country. And if this senator gets his way, uh, Christians won't even be allowed to own a business. This is Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer from New York. He actually said this, anyone whose religion teaches that the murder of an unborn child is wrong should simply not open a business in America. So a senator is saying, if you don't go along with abortion, murdering children, you shouldn't be, well, what's next? What's around his neck? What kind of color? So is it going to go into that moral issue? Folks, I'm telling you, it's happening right now. The government also. And you might think, well, okay, tell you what, we better hurry up Christians and get involved in the government. I'm not saying don't do so, but just by being way of sarcastic, facetious, whatever you want to call it, uh, I'm just going to go in, I'm going to run for office and hurry up and get, well, you better hurry up now. And you better speak up now because you may not get the chance. In Canada, Christians with biblical values are being blocked from running for office. Canada's Liberal Party recently announced that they will not allow anyone to run in a national election who does not pledge to vote for pro-choice, so you got to uh, go along with murdering children, without exception. They also hinted at making a similar stance on other social issues like homosexuality. So if you don't sign off on those two, you ain't even going to be a part of that political party. In fact, one town in Canada, this is crazy, Nanaimo actually moved to ban Christians who disagree with homosexuality from using their public facility. This is how far it's gone. Let's take a look at that. Last month, Nanaimo City Council 
passed a shockingly bigoted motion, a motion to ban Christians who they find, quote, divisive from using publicly funded facilities like the convention center in town. Just days before a Christian convention of sorts was being hosted at that convention center, this city council voted to cancel it. Seriously, they had a debate. Well, debate's the wrong word. It was really a series of shocking rants against Christians that culminated in making Nanaimo's public buildings Christian-free zones. Now stop and think about that statement. Christian-free zones. Anybody familiar with what Hitler did with the Jewish people? Put them in zones. What's next for the Christian? We get a badge? Folks, I'm telling you, this is going on right now. In fact, in Canada, they've also started to ban Christians from the legal realm in case we want, you know, they want to get in there and change these laws. Check this out. Two Canadian law societies have decided to ban Christian-schooled lawyers from practicing law in their provinces. The Law Society of Upper Canada voted 28 to 21 to ban them. And just last week, the Nova Scotia Barrister Society voted 10 to 9 to effectively blacklist Christians from that province too. The ban applies in advance to any and every lawyer who graduates from a law school at BC's Trinity Western University. Trinity? Wait a second, that's the school that Jordan goes to who's directing the film for us. Yeah, he's very intimate with knowledge. That's his school. Well, why would they want to do that against Trinity? Well, Trinity Western University, folks, is a Christian school, and they have a stance. They have a policy at that school. They believe in the promotion of marriage between a man and a woman. But if you graduate as a lawyer, completely legit from that school, they want to ban you from practicing law. Wow. And even here in the United States, it's getting so bad that a former U.S. military general admitted this. Listen to what he said. Quote, given the violation of religious liberties that have been going on in America, ironically, Christians are being forced to go into the closet. It's now become a policy in America, don't ask, don't tell if you're a Christian. It used to be that you had to come out of the closet to admit you're a homosexual, but now you have to come out of the closet to admit that you're a Christian in America. Okay? In fact, it's also going in the media. You might say, well, I'm going to hop on the media and get people, well, you better do it quick, because you may not get the chance much longer. Chris Culliver of the 49ers was recently sent to, listen, a re-education camp prior to the Super Bowl for laughing at homosexuality. And a safety for Miami Dolphins was sent to a re-education camp. Does that freak anybody else besides me, the words there? Re-education camp for tweeting out his displeasure over Michael Sam's slobbery homosexual kiss on draft day. Craig James was fired by Fox Sports Southwest for defending natural marriage in a senatorial campaign. Uh, and the current administration is pushing for what's called, you better check this one out, the Hate Crime Reporting Act of 2014, right? If this thing is passed, it would task the National Telecommunications and Information Administration to, quote, begin scouring the internet, TV, and radio for speech it finds threatening. On a national level, they're going to scour every form of media, and if you have any hate speech in there, you're in trouble. The legislation arrived four months after Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty made his comments about homosexuality, which they labeled as, quote, hate speech. And if that legislation is passed, one guy says, we will find ourselves in the same situation as our founding fathers were under British rule, where we will not be allowed to speak out against the government, homosexuals, illegals, other religions, whatever they basically come up with, okay? Websites will be shut down. Churches will be forced to compromise on the word of God or listen, close their doors or listen, 
go into hiding and meet in underground locations in America. What happened to Europe? Oh, we'll leave you alone. You just let us do this one thing. We'll leave you. No, you won't. Now you're going for the throat. And that's what's happening, folks, on this issue, okay? In fact, it's already infected the church, folks. Uh, you think, well, I'm just going to go in the church and ministry. I'm going to speak. Well, yeah, praise God. More help, the better. But you better do it quick, and you better speak up now. Because right now, thanks to the current administration, uh, quietly, they have been passing dozens of laws, executive orders in favor of homosexuality. And it's created such an atmosphere of hatred towards biblical Christianity that we are now seeing the day where preachers in the United States of America who preach the gospel, they are predicting will soon watch helplessly as their churches are taken from them and they themselves placed in jail. Okay? In fact, right now, the state of Idaho is telling a Christian minister who owns a wedding chapel to perform same-sex marriages or he will go to jail. This is happening right now. Here's a picture. He and his wife, Donald Knapp, they face a 180-day jail term and a $1,000 fine for each day. He continues to refuse to celebrate same-sex wedding. Now, that's a for-profit chapel, but he is a minister. That's only one step away from the church who is not-for-profit. Little by little, folks, work at the extremes. Other states are also starting to ban gay conversion therapy. That's their words. Uh, which could take place on church property. Somebody comes up to a deacon or an elder or a pastor and says, hey, I need some help. Could you counsel me on this issue? And if you start telling about Jesus and the freedom that we could have and being set free from sin and he can give us victory over sin, that's going to be against the law. That's called gay conversion therapy, okay? And recently, unless you've been hiding under a rock and don't know about this, with all due respect, Houston recently subpoenaed pastors' sermons, emails, text messages, for anyone opposing this gay agenda. Check this out. It is a shocking story out of Texas where the city of Houston has issued subpoenas demanding that a group of pastors turn over their sermons as part of a battle to enforce an equal rights ordinance in the city. Now, ministers who failed to comply with the subpoena could be held in contempt of court. Pastor, we'll start with you. Uh, did you get one of the letters? Subpoenas? I did. Yes, I did. What did it say? Well, it wanted my sermons and emails and texts and anything that had been said about uh, the Equal Rights Ordinance or homosexuality, or including Mayor Parker, if I'd ever said anything about her. Right, Communication now. with the congregation wanted any of that. And contrary to the media reports, the city is not backing off. The mayor actually tweeted on her page that if the pastors were talking about this issue from the pulpit, their sermons are fair game. And I'll tell you well, this. Uh, with all due respect, there's no one that knows the mayor or the city attorney who would believe that they did not know about those subpoenas until yesterday. Okay, and that's not all. One church leader said this, folks. The U.S. creed, I love this, on gay marriage is just like Sharia law. Just as Jews and Christians right now are being fined in countries governed by Muslims for their religion, their beliefs, Jewish and Christian, so all citizens in the United States of America are being required to approve of the gay marriage agenda and sexual practices or we will be punished by the state. And if you don't think, folks, that they're going to go towards that, you're already starting to see to subpoena sermons. And again, it wasn't just sermons. It was text messages. It was any form of communication with the congregation, anybody. They're going to come to the church. And believe it or not, it's already now a national edict 
countrywide in Denmark. Listen to this. They recently, quote, won the right to be married in any church they want. The government actually voted to make it mandatory for all churches in that country to conduct gay marriages. Right now, on a countrywide basis. Folks, this is not happening in Spain. By the way, everybody say hello to Rebecca. She's watching from Spain. Hello, Rebecca. This isn't happening in Europe. This is not happening in Australia. This is happening where? In America, United States of America, okay? And folks, that's why I said it's time we get motivated. We better speak up on this subject. We better do it now, okay? But you need to also pay attention to the Bible. You think this is bad? You ain't seen nothing yet. Okay, it's not just about a, a decreasing of liberties and freedom of speech in our own country. It's about a massive, absolutely insane, ungodly behavior that you can't even believe in. It's going to open up Pandora's box. I didn't say that. God did. And here's what he says and warns about. And it's been there for nearly 2,000 years in the book of Romans. Chapter 1, verse 18, 21, 26 through 32. The wrath of God. The what of God? The love of God? The acceptance of God? The mercy? No, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against what? All the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So you don't want to think that there's a God? Now what? Here's what he's going to do. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. And what was the first thing that it started to produce? We saw this last week. Lesbianism and homosexuality. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Okay? Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Listen to this. Oh, but you didn't want to stop there? You didn't want to listen? You didn't want to turn around? Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to what? Now you're going to have a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips and slanders and what? God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They even invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless. They are faithless. They are heartless and ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve what? Death. They do not only continue to do the very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Even to the point where one judge goes above and beyond the will of the people and say, no, you have to do this. Because that's how this is being progressed. I'm not here to say that I'm a master of constitutional law and I, don't have the, uh, and I got the Bill of Rights memorized. I don't think it was all set up in our country, folks, for one man, a judge, repeatedly throughout our states to override the will of the people and force them into it. That's not a democracy, and it certainly isn't a republic, okay? But you can see the Bible warns that once you go down this route, once you start accepting, once you reject God, which we've been doing since the 50s and 60s with evolution, the next thing that's going to come into your society is what? Homosexuality, lesbianism, right? It's going to give you over to shameful lust. And if you continue to do that, which we've been doing now for a couple decades since then, what's the next stage? The next stage is you are going to a depraved mind. And it's going to get so bad, it's going to open up Pandora's box. You think it's wicked now? You ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to, and folks, can I tell you something? We've been in stage two for so long, we are now just going into stage three. You think it's bad now? It's going to get more wicked. Our society is going to accept all kinds of immoral things. It's going to blow you away. In fact, it's already begun. Let's take a look at that. As we saw before, all this ongoing redefinition of marriage with same-sex unions 
is including the idea of what they're now calling non-monogamy, okay, or the acceptance of multiple partners, polygamy, without the stigma of adultery, right? It's the same rationale. Well, if you're going to redefine marriage, it's not just between a man and a woman. It could be man and a man or woman and woman. Well, how about more than one man or more than one woman? That's what they're meaning by this. In fact, states are already passing it. Watch this. Details tonight about a historic court ruling having to do with two volatile subjects, sex and religion. Correspondent Shannon Bream explains. What the opinion means for polygamous families is really something quite transformative. In response to a lawsuit brought by a polygamist reality TV family, a federal judge in Utah has ruled that polygamy will no longer be criminalized in that state, a victory the plaintiff's lead attorney says is no surprise. If you look at the trend of the law, it has been towards greater protection of individual choices to get the government out of homes and bedrooms to prevent the majority from dictating the moral code that everyone must live by. Those who oppose the Supreme Court's recent opinions on sodomy and gay marriage say they're not surprised either that they predicted this very turn of events. Did you hear that? Once you get this redefined, once you crack from the standard, it's going to open up Pandora's box. Right? It's the same rationale, folks. And believe it or not, it's going to get worse, even worse than this, just like God warned. Uh, judge Richard Posner, he's a federal judge with the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, I believe up in the Chicago area. He's also obviously a supporter of the gay marriage movement. He said this, quote, I'm not making this up, please check this out. Perhaps it's time that the government begin issuing rape licenses. Not making it up. Since the right to rape, for some men at least, exceeds the victim's physical and emotional pain. Because it's all about fulfilling self. And I have a right for this. Right? I'm telling you, God warned this, folks, 2,000 years ago. You slide on this, you're in a heap of trouble. You're going to get a depraved mind. You're going to start inventing ways of doing evil. Rape license it so they can do it legally because their right to do that supersedes the woman's pain. Can you believe that? Others are now saying that we need to do the same thing to pedophiles, that pedophiles uh, should also have civil rights. I'm not making this up. Margot Kaplan, she's a law professor teaching kids at Rutgers University. Here's a picture of her. A lady said this, quote, people who are sexually attracted to children must hide their disorder from everyone they know or risk losing educational and job opportunities. You know, like back in the day with the homosexuals or whatever, okay? So she says the nation's anti-pedophilia laws are unfair to pedophiles and should be changed. This is what is being taught in our education. You don't think it's coming, folks? You need to stick to the word of God. God said this is going to happen. You slide on this one thing, you ain't seen nothing yet. And another judge in Australia actually said this, pedophilia and incest may no longer be considered taboo. Notice his rationale. Just as gay relationships are now being more accepted than they used to be back in the 50s and 60s. Right? Back in the 50s and 60s, who would ever thought that people would have been promoting across America gay marriage? You think it's crazy for pedophilia and incest? Give it time. That's what a judge is saying. Folks, it's actually, that's a whole other issue. That's actually some of the stuff that is going on too. I had to draw the line somewhere. But here's how bad it's getting, folks. Who would have thought, listen to this, flip all this around. This is happening in our country. Oh, does not your heart grieve? Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Oh, is it ever a time to witness and share the gospel and love of Jesus Christ? Hello? 
And I'll say this again, maybe even the people sitting next to you. But how backwards it's become that even non-Christian communist nations, even third world countries, are putting up protective barriers to protect their country from going down the tubes like ours. Listen to this. Russian President Vladimir Putin recently signed into a law a bill banning the propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations to minors. The law is aimed at limiting the rights of the country's gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and intersex people. They've also included multiple bans on gay pride parades, hefty fines to gay rights groups, anyone accused of acting as a foreign agent, promoting this stuff. Nigeria's president also signed into law uh, law criminalizing homosexuality, prescribing 10 years in prison for those who directly or indirectly make a public show of same-sex relationships, as well as punishing anyone who participates in gay clubs and organizations or even simply supports them. Who in the world would have ever thought that in our country that a communist nation, third world countries, would behave more biblically on this issue than us. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of Son of Man. Folks, if we're going to speak up, we better speak up, and we better speak up now. This is wedge number one. Lord willing, next week we'll get to wedge number two. But this is what Jesus said. When these things begin to take place, what do you do? I know what you do. You run to the hills and you freak out. No, it's time to get motivated. Right? If everybody jumped off the battle lines, it's just going to make it that much more worse. Right? We need to occupy. We need to stand up, and we need to speak out in love. And then, uh, so hopefully, other people—it's not just a moral issue; it's a salvation issue. So they can be saved and go to heaven with us. Amen. Okay. This is what we need to do as Christians. But if you're here today, you think it's bad now? Jesus said, "I'll say it again." He said, "This seven-year tribulation is going to be the worst time in the history of mankind." You think it's evil now? You think you, you think this stuff? Is, Imagine, imagine every true born-again Christian disappearing from this planet. And they want to pass this stuff. Do you think it's going to take very long then? It's going to be horrible. You don't want to be there. There is a way out, praise God, but there's only one way out. His name is Jesus Christ. If you're not saved, you need to get saved right now before it's too late because you don't want to be at that time of wrath. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness, or the wrong things that we have done, have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin, or unholiness, uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? 
Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay, the Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God, and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says, we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. 
Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.